I'm Viren Garrity, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to a time where they had the last laugh. Um, so I, I was just put in the background all the time and I was absolutely furious. Uh, and I feel like I have had the last laugh now because like, who's a star now? Who's on <laughs> The Laughs of Your Life with Darren Garrity? Not you, Paul, you know? <laughs> just yeah, it's just a very confident child. It was in my yeah. <laughs> this is your this is your last laugh. Oh my god. Well, this no, is my last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so the podcast your last. No, obviously everything that's happened for you, yes, is the last hmm. laugh. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The idea that I'm paid to sing and perform and stuff is is mental. Sketch comedian Michael Fry is my guest this week. He talks to me about the joys of playing the genie in his self-written school play, bouncing back after dropping out of college, and the beauty of having a few cans in a field. This season of the Last of Your Life podcast is brought to you by Aussie Hair. Although they are a brand with a real sense of humour, one thing they take very seriously is that great hair care should not cost the earth. All of their products are never tested on animals and are PETA certified cruelty free. Their bottles are all recyclable and last but not least, those authentic Australian ingredients that do wonders for your hair, well, they're farmed using traditional methods, hand harvested where possible and make their way to Europe in a carbon neutral way. You love to see it. And now for my chat with Michael Fry. I hope you enjoy. Michael Fry. Hello, how are you? You're extremely welcome to the Laughs for Your Life podcast. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to, to being asked on this. I didn't think I would be. I was, you know, I feel like I've made it now. But you I'm up you... there with the greats, Michael Healy Ray and, I don't know, <laughs> Rachel <laughs> Blackmore. <laughs> but you said you were looking forward to being asked. So then that would, that would suggest you were expecting to be asked. Oh, I was. Yeah, yeah. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> It was just a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where is she? <laughs> uh, refreshing your DMs. No, um, I, I find myself grinning like before we've even started because because mm. I'm actually fully fangirling because I actually think I need to start paying you royalties because we do this thing on the record show called Tweet Tweet Yeah, where we uh, have- Oh, a- yeah. I get tagged in this every time it happens. And they're like, they said you on the radio. I was like, what? I know. <laughs> so Whenever you put it on Instagram, I always get loads more followers. So I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we do, a, we do a thing called Tweet Tweet, yeah, where we just talk about like whatever was big on Twitter, you know, in the previous mm. 24 hours. And I either quote something you've tweeted or something you've retweeted or I play a clip of one of your, your videos. So I, I probably need to start paying you at this point. <laughs> Quid pro quo. I'm getting the exposure <laughs> from it, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, Michael, I'm so excited to do this. I feel like you are going to have some deadly answers. And so I think we should just get into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm actually, before we do, mm. I, I, I can't actually cope with the fact that Michael Fry isn't your full name. Like, whatever about the surname, but Michael isn't even your name! I know. I really wish I'd pick something a bit more exciting than Michael because the reason I picked Michael is because it was the most kind of generic name I could think of. <laughs> and now I'm stuck with it because I used it in all the videos and I was like, oh, I need a name. And I don't know. I kind of wish I'd pick something cool. Like, I don't know, Xander or I don't know, some kind of space name, but like fucking Michael. Yeah. Was this, was this conversation going to come up in one of your answers? Because if not, I want to keep going and ask you about this. Oh, no, no, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't in the answers, actually. Okay, somewhere. so I need to ask you then, what, yeah. at what point in life did you change your name? 
Uh, I didn't do it by deed, Paul. Now I still have a legal name and stuff. But uh, yeah, I did it in 2017 when I was I was working for like Tourism Ireland. So like public body, I was kind of making jokes about like parades and things like that. And like not that it was in any way offensive, but it was just that thing of like you have to have a clear separation between your work and your social accounts and or your personal accounts or whatever. And I just thought, what's more separate than a different name? And I was kind of getting traction with like media and stuff like that. And people were like, what is your name? Because I was using pseudonyms up to that point. Uh, I was calling myself because some guy, because I had bleached hair at one point and some guy called me Eminem from 2002, like <laughs> trolling me. So I used that as a name for ages. And so like the first like interview I did with, I think it was like Goss.ie or someone. It's like a user only known as Eminem from 2002. <laughs> so it's like, right, I need a name. I need something to put there because that's ridiculous. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I love it. I think Michael Fry is great. But I hear you, though. Yeah, if, I mean, you had the opportunity. It should have been something more exotic. But there's no, look, no regrets. Yeah, well, yeah. Fry is easier to spell than my actual surname as well. So it's kind of just, you know, convenience sake as well. Sorry, we haven't even revealed what your proper name is. Oh, my real name is uh, Matthew Janine, which okay. doesn't sound real now that I say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like... Who is he? <laughs> okay, right. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Are you ready for this? Yes, go on. Okay, Michael slash Matthew. No, I'll just say Michael. Michael Fry, <laughs> your first memory of laughter. Yeah, so there's a bit in, I think it was 101 Dalmatians. And we didn't have the video, so I don't remember what part it was exactly, but it was one of the robbers in it hurt himself and then said something along the lines of, I've, I've blipped me blick and block off or something. I don't know. But that's what me and my brother used to say to each other. We thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And like my older brother used to say it to me, to make me laugh after he had made me cry so we didn't get in trouble you know that kind of way as in like he'd probably hurt me in some way or like I don't know I'd fall and hurt myself and he's like oh god I can't get in trouble so he would just start saying that over and over again until I shut up like so yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about your house as a child where did it where did it start where do you come in the ranking of siblings first of all? Uh, I am the second one. I was going to say number two there, but it makes me sound awful. So uh, <laughs> the second sibling, uh, a, mi a middle child kind of through and through. Um, there's myself, there's my older brother, who's like two years older than me. I've one who's two years younger. And then I have another one who is eight years younger than me. So, um, but we're all boys. So um, no pink in our house, as my mother used to say. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. What was it like growing up as the second? Oh, sorry. So you're, oh, so you're mid Sorry. Well, yeah. Middle is in... Sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was actually like the, the the middle four until my youngest brother was born, and then I'm kind of like the the first wave or the first half, I guess. But like the first yeah. wave, <laughs> the first, the first wave cohort, <laughs> first batch or litter children. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was it like in your house growing up? Was there performance, or did that come later? Uh, I think later, actually. I don't think it was, yeah, none of my family are particularly musical or anything like that. So it was, it was kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere for me, I guess. Uh, I did like music, like I did piano lessons when I was like 13 or I went to like stage school when I was like nine. Uh, but apart from that, it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't a big thing, I don't think. And yeah, performance, not really. It was, yeah, we're a, we're a football house. Uh, my dad's really into football and rugby and stuff. So, Were you the only one to go to stage school? No, my younger brother went as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My mother, I, I don't think I really wanted to go at the first, like at, at the start of it. My mother was like, oh, well, all the, all the pop stars go. Like Eminem went to stage school. And I was like, <laughs> I do remember saying that to one of my class. And he was like, no, he fucking didn't. What? <laughs> like, 
Eminem, the fucking Billy Barry child, like, you know? You're like five years into it. Wait a second. <laughs> Eminem never went. Do you know, I, do you want to hear something, guys? Actually, I don't think I've ever revealed this on the podcast. I yeah. was a Billy Barry kid, first of all. Oh, wow. Okay. Not only was I a Billy Barry kid, I also did Twinks since <laughs> the school. Yeah. And why I'm laughing is because I used to do both on a Saturday. So I used to go over to Fairview to Billy Barry and I would do it from like 10 to 12. And then my mom would tear me across back over to the north side. Sorry, that was the north side. Back over to Castle Knock, I mean. Yeah. And uh, I do twink stage school from like one to four. And neither of them knew I was doing both. Oh my God. I don't think there's an exclusivity contract though for kids, is there? Maybe there is. They're very serious. It's not, I mean, not in writing, but without a doubt, it's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to, to be in two of them, you know? <laughs> I went to Spotlight, which is the, the guys that do, I think they do the toy show now. Um, yeah, but at the time, being... they were only in like Navin and Carlo, um, the two show business capitals of Ireland. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like Navin actually is. The amount of comedians that have come out of Navin, it's mental. Yeah, I, maybe in spite of the place. I don't know. It's not a particularly glitzy kind of <laughs> existence, I don't think. <laughs> oh, and so did, like, making people laugh, did that, was that something you did when you were younger or was it, did it come later? I kind of did, yeah. I, when I was 11, right, I was, I was very confident for some reason around 10 and 11. And I can't remember why exactly, because it disappeared quite quickly after that. But I remember I insisted on writing the school play for that year when I was 11 for my class. Uh, and I just said, Would you, you know the play this year? She's like, well, I don't know if we're doing one. I was like, can I write one? And she's like, yeah, go on. And then I did it. And then she's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, can we do it? She's like, yeah, okay. Like, that's all right. <laughs> so we did it and it was terrible. And it was like a pantomime version of Aladdin, I think is what I decided I would do because I used to go to the, the gaiety panto every year and I wanted to do something like that. And obviously gave myself the starring role. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, but, oh my god, yes, I'm delighted. Absolutely, like as in, like okay, there was Aladdin, but I was the genie, and obviously, like the side characters, I was way more important in a, in a panto. And I gave myself, I sang, I want to break free by Queen as my solo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and there's yeah, it's a great picture of me in my mother's pajamas, um, pretending to be genie singing that <laughs> song. So, ask what was the costume? Did you have a bottle that you came out of? Uh, I think we did. I think I had a watering can that we painted gold. (laughs) (laughs) So that is peak primary school play. I love the creativity. (laughs) Oh my God, amazing. And so was writing then, (laughs) was that the start of something beautiful in terms of like English or writing or no? Yeah, it actually was. Yeah, yeah. So I I went to uh, creative writing on a Saturday, which is like just just this writing class for kids, the local library or whatever. And that was great because it was kind of like I learned loads about poems and things. Uh, I I honestly, I really wanted to write books and plays and stuff. But like, I mean, you know, we only had like an hour or so every week. So I wasn't going to be writing, you know, War and Peace or whatever. But like it was just kind of like short little things. And I kind of think I wanted to be funny all the time in them. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, that was great as well, just for your confidence or whatever, in, in terms of that stuff, I think. Um, but that only lasted till I was maybe 13 and then it kind of, I was too old for it then, you know? And so, so you say you're from a football rugby house, but it was very much encouraged to do other stuff then. If you were doing all these extracurricular bits and bobs, they, obviously your parents saw something in you and said, we need to, we need to make sure he flourishes. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, my, my, 
I think my uncles and stuff would have done choirs and my granddad was a good singer and stuff like that. So I think that's where it came from. Um, and that's, yeah, it was, my mother, I think, was the driving force behind that. So uh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you meant, sorry, okay, so you're going on to when you were 13. So I'm going to ask you the mm. next question. That might, that might uh, team up beautifully with that age bracket. Yeah. Uh, the first time you felt laughed at, Michael Fry. Oh, this is mortifying because I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, oh, I can't think of a, a, a time when that happened. And then it suddenly came flooding back and I was like, oh my God. Right. So when I was like 13 or 14, like MSN Messenger was a big thing. Uh, as in Same. like, yeah, as in like, it, it could be possible that you would talk to people as in talk to girls who are from the town who you would maybe walk past, but you would not acknowledge them when you walk <laughs> past them. And there was that kind of thing of like, just just talking to people online, but not actually ever saying a word to them in person. So there was this thing of like, a, just that culture, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, so like for a shy child like me, that was my that was my outlet, if you know what I mean. That's how I got the ladies, uh, or that <laughs> that was the that was the intention anyway. I don't think I was ever successful once. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, when I was thirteen, I went to like there's like an after school kind of Irish youth club, and. Obviously, I couldn't even open my mouth. I was that shy. And uh, there was these girls in it who were very, very loud and brash and stuff. And I remember getting talking to one of them. And for some reason, like, it was a, a time when you used to just give everyone your number. Um, <laughs> and I started texting this girl. She was very, very nice. Uh, just very polite, I would say, to be very honest with you. But obviously, I projected all this stuff on her being like, oh, great. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to get my friend to ask her out. Uh which I told him to do off my phone. And then when I didn't like the message he was going to send, I just wrote the, my message myself, which just, when it comes off your own phone, pretending you're somebody else is so ridiculous. So, I mean, obviously she said no, uh, like obviously. And she was, from my memory, I think she was quite nice about it. Um, oh, but that, that wasn't the end it of it. sometimes. It, I don't know. I kind of, I thought, all right, I've gone away with that. That's fine, you know? But I, right. I didn't get away with that. I went into the fucking youth club the next week <laughs> and the girls, she, like her friends thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And it was like, every time they called out my name, they would say August, you know, whatever her name was. Or it was like, her name was like August Matthew, like immediately afterwards. And they would roar laughing each time. And I was sitting there like beetroot red. And it, it went on for like a good two hours. Like they literally did not relent this. And I, I think it went on for a couple of weeks actually. Um, and to the point where one of the older lads was like, just put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, ah oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I've done this to myself. This is my own fault. So, <laughs> oh, oh God, maybe that's the reason you were like, you were, you know, all grand and dandy 10, 11, but then was it that one experience that made you like retreat a lot? I think, yeah, I think it was shy before that, uh, but it certainly didn't help. <laughs> so, Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> Michael Fry, the moment yeah. where if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Um, so <laughs> when I left secondary school, um, I worked in a warehouse. And uh, because I was absolutely useless inside and had no communication skills whatsoever, they put me on the truck with this man uh, who was just not well. There was just, he just um, had a lot of problems. And he used to talk with this woman called Sharon. And he'd be like, oh, you know, Sharon's really clever. Sharon gets a new car every month. She works in the bank. Uh, you know, and when we drive past the bank, she waves at me sometimes. Um, you know, Sharon can wire a satellite with one hand. Sharon was a champion swimmer. She was like a woman from Atlantis. And like, we'll go on like this. Eventually, like, somebody told me that Sharon wasn't real. 
Uh, I don't know how I didn't twig. She wasn't real. But yeah, a um, lot of problems, this man. And so like every time I'd come into work, he'd be like, we might die today because it's so windy. And it was just like him just screaming abuse at me all day, every day. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But like, because it was so unbelievable, some of the stuff he was saying to me and doing, like there was one time we got to, because he used to just like take like gone off food from other shops and stuff like that because he was just, he's an alcoholic, he had loads of different problems. And there was one time he got into the truck and he's like, oh, I fucking love cheese. And he opened a catering block of Calvita cheese and just bit into it like a sandwich. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then there's this other time he was like, he came in with like a Chinese container, Chinese. And we were like, oh, you must have had that last night. And we're like, did you get a Chinese last night, man? And he was like, nah, 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 nah. Some stupid idiot left this on my wall last night. So I'm going to, I'm going to eat it. No, <laughs> like, no, no. So it was just like, as in horrific, like absolutely would not put up with that sort of stuff ever again. But like, obviously I was 17 and I was like, I don't want to get fired and you know, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, just telling my friends that was always just got a great laugh. And like only one of them had ever met him as well. So they're, they're still convinced he's not real or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> you just... You made him up. Oh my yeah, God, yeah, it's like Inception. I got insane. Like, you know, so, but yeah, it's just one of those things of like, if, if you actually think about it, it was actually quite serious and very sad. But like God. at the time it was like, this is, I, I need, this is material I need to actively write just to, to process the trauma of it, so... Is it so weird when you look back on stuff like that, like at that age or stage of life where you're like, oh my God, the stuff that I like just didn't speak up about because of my age that now would be like, Jesus, this is a red flag. Oh yeah. Like if I heard of somebody like that age doing that now, being with that person, I'd be like, what? Like take him out of there. Like, he's in danger. You know, kind of way. But yeah, I don't know. No, so <laughs> I guess all you can do is laugh. You said you worked, did you work there after school or during college? Uh, during college. So once secondary school finished, I was working there like four days later, I think. Uh, so you, it was, did you, did you study straight away in college after school or did you take a break or did you go, you went straight in? Oh, right. So there's, there's a whole story there uh, that actually oh, comes on to the, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually dropped out my first year of college. Okay. Um, so um, not great. Um, kind of, I think the transition between secondary school and third level is very difficult and I think normal people is the only show I've seen actually properly address this and I definitely related to Connell a lot and Marianne a lot of cases because I was the same at school as she was I think um but yeah I, I like four days after I finished my leaving cert I was put into this warehouse and suddenly you're leaving cert that I had geared my whole life towards like I literally didn't have a social life for like two years um just didn't matter anymore and I had no kind of holiday or kind of, do you know what I mean? It was just like straight into it. Um, I picked a course that was really stupid. I picked business or something because like at the time we were in recession and like the all boys school environment as well is not conducive to kind of creative stuff. I don't think. And there's a very certain way you can be a man and a boy and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was very, very difficult. And yeah, ended up in Galway because I thought, oh, I can run away from my problems, my shyness, all that kind of stuff. And it just got to the point where I was so nervous and so afraid of people that I couldn't answer phone calls or go into shops or just any, I just assumed every interaction I'd be in would result in somebody kind of shouting at me in some way or that kind of thing. Um, to the point where I just, just couldn't live my life anymore, you know? Um, so I was kind of, 
there and I was like, God, um, I am never, ever going to get to do what I've always wanted to do, which is perform and write and stuff like that. I am not even going to get a job because I'm unable to speak to people. How am I going to do an interview or whatever like that? So it got to the point where it was like, do I want to be alive anymore? You know? Mm. Um, so that was grim. Um, and I think it was because I was living with flatmates and stuff like that. I didn't like the idea of them having to deal with my parents or finding me or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I reached out to a counsellor and stuff like that. And like, it was hard. Um, it was hard dropping out because it was that thing of like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay for the semester you've just been in? And because like I was really immature at the time, like I might have been quite well behaved and quiet but I wasn't ready for to live on my own because I hadn't socialized myself enough or been able to interact with people and things like that. Mm. Um, so I was just spending all my money eating subways every day to make myself feel better and just that kind of stuff. And so like everyone was mad at me for doing it, but the best thing I ever did, if I'm very honest, because it kind of just meant, even though I went straight back into the warehouse of that lunatic straight afterwards, um, it meant that I'd actually taken control of my own life. And I was like, right, let's do something about this. Like, obviously it was still a problem. Um, like it wasn't going to go away overnight. Like that kind of, you know, the, the feeling that I'd kind of died inside or whatever kind of during secondary school, because I just felt I'm going to get bullied or I'm going to, do you know what I mean? Not that anyone ever bullied me or whatever, but it was just that kind of thing of like, ah, Jesus, I, I you know, I don't want to be seen as, I don't know, being called gay was like the worst thing ever at the time. And it was like, oh, fuck, I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to to think that of me or whatever. And yeah, I just became just completely let go of my personality, I think. Um, but yeah, once I kind of got counseling and stuff like that, I went into university and kind of things got better and better as time went on because it wasn't as oppressive, I don't think. Um, but yeah, a, a very kind of grim time. And I do worry, like particularly during the pandemic, I do worry for kids that might've been in the same situation as me uh, because there is no escape. Like you are literally at home and there is that kind of thing of like, oh, if I escape, if I go somewhere else, things are going to get better. But actually those problems don't really go away. You need to deal with them. So um, I don't know if that was a heavy answer to it. Would I be right in saying that was your no laughing matter moment in life? That was it, yeah. And I just thought there was a segue there and I wasn't going to be like, oh, do you want to do the next question? Because I didn't want to break the magic of the podcast or that kind of thing. Like, so I just sort my, of ranted there for a good 10 minutes. No, this is my first time ever back referencing the no okay. laughing matter moment in life, but yeah, I love yeah. it. It was so seamless. But I just want to, and I, yeah. I don't mean to probe, but I just want to get a, yeah. a clearer idea in my head. So you went to NUIG. It was business you were doing. So obviously you started in WhatsApp. September, October. And then, yeah. so how far into the year did you, did you finally reach a point where you said, I cannot do this? I think I got to probably after Halloween. And okay. I think I'd gone home a couple of times. And I was like, this, my life in Galway is not any better than it was. In fact, it's probably a bit worse, you know. Uh, and particularly the environment, I expected from a university that people would be a bit more chill and a bit more kind of open if you know what I mean I wore a purple t-shirt and this person asked me was I a boy or a girl and I was like what you know what I mean like so like what, uh, I'm just interested to know what what year was this because I for mm. me like I was in college so I started in, in 2010 and and even within the four so those four years I did how much things changed like with that like like someone asking mm. you that right 
Like I remember in school, sorry now to digress a bit, but yeah. I remember in school, like I went to an all girls school and if you called someone a bender, like that was just, that was actually just normal at the time. And, and yeah. no one even knew what it meant. You just said it. And he, and then fast forward to like when I finished college or even in the middle of college, like, oh, it was only then I knew, like, oh my, what were we even saying? We didn't even question what we were saying. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like a, particularly like an all boys school. I went to, I went to college the first time in 2011, so not long after you. Um, yeah. But yeah, particularly that was just the insult of the day. That was literally just what we all called each other. And there was like yeah. one guy who was out in my school and he got dog's abuse all day every day and it's like jesus christ like the idea of that happening now or the idea that that could have happened or whatever is so alien to me but like that was just the culture and that was how we made jokes and that was do you know what i mean yeah um but it was literally like the worst thing you could be called at the time like so you go, so you you drop out then you go back you're working in the place you were working before and so mm. when did so you then started studying something else didn't you yeah, I went to I did I went to Trinity and I did uh, French and Spanish. So it was kind of like an oblique way of me being like, oh, I might get to do plays or I might get to do uh, media afterwards. I could work for a radio station in France or like that kind of way. It was just kind of <laughs> a way of me kind of being able to study what I wanted, which was probably English or probably texts or you know poetry yeah. and shit like that. Only I had the physical, like, the actual hard scale of being able to speak two languages. You know, yeah. Um. So I kind of obviously it's difficult when you have social anxiety to learn a language because you constantly have to make an ass of yourself. You have to, you know, just make mistakes all the time. And that was really difficult and probably not what I should have done. I should have just done media or something like that. But I mean, recession, all that kind of stuff, no jobs with media. And I think there is a perception that media is like a joke degree or whatever, and you won't get anything out of it. So it was just that kind of thing of like, well, I guess I'll do business. (laughs) I guess I'll, you know. yeah. That kind and, of way. And did you live at home then when you were in Trinity? No, I I, I lived up, up yeah. uh, luckily. So that was that was good. That was a steep learning curve, I think, as well. But like the first year of my second first year was like the best year ever because I lived with my friends from home, good. and it was kind of just yeah, just going out all the time and having having the crack, like you know. So yeah, um, yeah I did. I enjoyed college, kind of a third and fourth year were my best, I think. Yeah, and and how did you? I'm sure it was slowly but surely. It wasn't just an overnight thing. How did the so- social anxiety improve? Um, I think, like, I don't think it'll ever go away. Mm. I think that's kind of, that's always the case. And I think whenever I joined a Zoom call or whenever I joined a group chat or something like that, I would just assume that everybody hates me in some way. <laughs> uh, before I've even opened my mouth. Uh, but I mean, it does get better. It gets better over time because I met more people. Yeah. And because I understand now, even just from Twitter and online stuff, that there are thousands and thousands of people who might actually enjoy what you have to say. And that the minority of people I met in even secondary school, even my school is 800 people in it. Uh, I have, you know, 10 times that on, or sorry, 100 times that, is it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what, am I on, what are my maths? Yeah, on, on Twitter. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah. that's that's a tiny percentage. So even if all of those people hated me, which they didn't, um, it still doesn't it's a, a drop in the ocean compared to how many people are actually out there in the world. Like, so I think that's kind of that makes me feel a bit better. And it is practice. And the best advice I ever got from a therapist was like, ask questions. So if you're in a situation where you don't know what to say, ask a question, even if you know the answer to it, because you're making conversation, you're pushing the conversation on. You know, it's so true. It's so true. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just even letting one sentence come out of your mouth. Because I had a tiny like. 
nothing compared to what you're describing. But mm-hmm. I, because I went to Trinity as well. Let's let's just talk about Trinity. It's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so Trinity of us to talk about Trinity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But How I, do you actually, know someone went to Trinity? The Italian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I did drama and theatre studies and I was, you yeah. know, a real performer in school. But drama and theatre studies is like a, only a fraction of it is performance. So much of it is, is theory and, and plays. And I, I actually wasn't great at English. Like I wasn't great at writing, just performing. I'm like mm-hmm. Regina George, you know, and she's the, you know with the, uh, the candy cane. She's like, I don't send them, I just get them. <laughs> I don't write stuff, I just perform it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I kind of went. I, I, I very quickly felt so out of my depth because whatever about lectures, but you know tutorials like that scene with Connell. Mm. Now he knows what he's talking about in that scene. He, he's yeah. actually done the reading. But I was like the flip side of that, where you, you didn't understand. You did the reading, but you didn't understand it. And everyone's mm. given their opinions. And I, I felt I used to feel physically choked. Like I couldn't even let words out of my mouth because I was so afraid of sounding stupid. Mm. And I knew I had thoughts, and I knew I had you know, opinions on the different things we were studying. But I went through that phase of like, and I, I wish someone had said that to me, ask a question in the tutorial, because it mm. just, it, it gets a sentence out of your mouth. And you, and you, the way you build it up in your head is just like, it's so scary. Like the damage you can do to yourself from building up, you know, how, as you mm. say, you know, like in school, you feel like it's everyone hates you. And then you go out and live your life. And now you, you can look back now and go, oh my God, like, yeah, and, and I realized kind of like most of my friends are men or most of my friends are from school and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, no, like you actually had quite a decent social life. You were never bullied or anything. Yeah. And also like I used to have this thing where like if I went into a shop and I picked something up, I would be accused of robbing something. And it was just like that kind of thing of like, I always like when I go into Tesco or something, I pick up a basket in case they think I'm shoplifting. <laughs> and then I'm thinking like, okay, they've seen me pick up a basket. Maybe they think I'm double bluffing them. So they're still going to follow me and think I'm going to rob <laughs> the first sign of a robber is he picks up a basket (laughs) get him yeah oh my god but no all of that makes i thank you i don't mean to sound cringe but honestly thank you for sharing that because it's it's a lot to to share yeah maybe i've overshared here i don't know (laughs) no i love it yeah okay michael Mm. slash matthew (laughs) sorry sorry, i'll stop doing that okay the person you always laugh with uh there's there's been probably about seven people in my life that I could spend hours with and not get bored of but like my favorite or the person I've been around the longest who I'm, I'm like that with is my friend Matt and it's kind of like we have a very similar sense of humor and it kind of informs how I make comedy so the way I make comedy is I smash one thing into another so I have a, a normal scenario and I'll put something weird into it you know uh and that comes from uh his parents are divorced and whenever his dad was over, he'd be like, oh, my dad's here. And there'd be a purple van outside his house. So we thought it'd be really funny if like his dad was actually a van, like physically a van, like in cars. Uh, And so this whole thing of like, you know, but also divorce dad drama along with that. So like we had this kind of joke that uh, (laughs) he would have a a birthday party when he was five and his dad would be late. And then he'd come in, but he would smash through the house because he's a van and like kill everyone. And then he'd be like, just the same, just be like, you ruined everything and run upstairs. And he's like, oh, I can't do anything right. But there's like loads of dead people everywhere and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so he literally just, whenever it was his dad's birthday, would be like, oh, what are you getting him? Like a glass of petrol. Like, you know, just kind of, that's how we joke. Uh, and that's how I make comedy. So, yeah. That's so good. I love that. I, every time I talk to someone like you who does a bit of comedy, they always have a mad friend who's in the background that inspires a lot of the stuff. 
Yeah, it, yeah, just absolutely be like, oh, imagine if this was this, and it's that's where it comes from, and it's the funniest thing ever to me. So that's the if you were to pick one, it would be him. Probably him. Yeah, yeah. When you first said it was Matt, in my mind, I was like, is this like? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is imaginary, like other side of him. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, Michael Fry, a time where you had mm. the last laugh. Um, yeah. So this this is kind of a long held grudge of mine. Uh, <laughs> when I went to stage school, I was never picked for anything. Right. Oh. Uh, you only got picked for stuff if you could dance and if you were a cheeky child, right? So, like, literally those two things. If you're a confident child, you could dance. Didn't matter if you could sing. Didn't matter if you could act or whatever, right? Which it, they're they're my things. That's that's what I do. That's what I like to. Um, so I I was just put in the background all the time, and I was absolutely furious. Uh, and I feel like I have had the last laugh now because like, who's a star now? Who's on the last of your life with Darren Garrity? Not you, Paul. You know. Paul. Oh, <laughs> just yeah, just a very confident child. It was in my yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, this no, is my yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so the podcast you laughs? No, obviously everything that's happened for you, yes, is the last hmm. laugh. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The idea that I'm paid to sing and perform and stuff is is mental, you know. Could you ever have anticipated at any stage, like before you had that that awful patch, mm. and, and even during that or after that, did you ever think it would get to this level that you're at now? I, I think when I was like 10 or 11, you know, sketch shows like Catherine Tate and stuff like that were a big thing. Uh, so I always wanted to do that. And I remember writing in my, I was like first year English or something. What do you want to do when you're older? And I was like, oh, I would like to be an actor. And if that doesn't work out, I would like to be a journalist. So two very stable careers that I'd chosen for myself. <laughs> but like, I guess I've kind of done both, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the whole online thing, um, and I read you because I read your article with the Irish Times and you were saying that the idea of live stuff, like, mm. does it still, would it still terrify you to, to branch into that? Uh, I, th- I think it kind of did before I started doing the music stuff. And now that I have that, I have kind of a good thread to base things around. So it can just be a gig, like an actual music gig, but I can maybe have funny segues. And that's not as onerous to write or to even arrange. Like, so before it would be like, okay, if I'm doing a live performance, I either have to do like a 10 minute monologue as Catherine or one of my characters, or I do a radio show and I have to press buttons to make different sounds happen. And like, that is hard. It's even hard recording that, you know, I have to do loads of different takes of that. So I was like, okay, that is terrifying. The idea that everything would have to sync up or I have to use technology in some way while I'm trying to remember my lines, while I'm trying to be funny and you're not going to wait. Whereas now I have that and I could probably do that and work things around it. But it is still terrifying. I haven't, I haven't done anything in front of a crowd for years and years and years, you know? I know, I know. People sometimes say to me, would I ever try stand-up? And I'm like, the idea of stand-up makes me want to die. Like, yeah, people yeah. who do it, I don't. Because as you say, there's no, like for if I were to do like a, you know, the Darren Project type thing live, that would be okay. Because I, I know I was playing different characters. Like maybe there'd be a screen. You know, Mario Rose and stuff does like the screen mm. in the background and he interacts with the screen. At least it's that. But the idea of just like, cold turkey going out with your jokes it's it's terrifying but that's the the amazing thing and i know you said this in the irish mm. times article as well i'm just stealing all of my research from that yeah. but, um, <laughs> uh, you know you said that that's what's so brilliant about the online stuff that you don't need a whole lot you can do a lot of stuff yourself you don't need a whole lot of money mm. um and and you mentioned as well you know that 
stuff can just be so short. And I love what you said about short stories. You know, it's, it's that mm. kind of thing of, you know, the, the people who are watching it are going, they're thinking about what happened afterwards and that's what's making them laugh as well. Like, do yeah. you love that that, you know, it fits into what you're comfortable with? Yeah, it, it really does adapt to me as in I, I, I'm not being heckled or anything like that. You know what I mean? But also like, because I am now proficient in the technology to do that kind of stuff and it's actually very accessible or whatever, it just means a different genre has emerged of that kind of stuff, like yeah. comedy that you can watch on your phone and it's not longer than two minutes. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I love that I can put in anything I want because there's no rules. I haven't got an editor. I haven't got a, a network to please or anything like that. I literally do whatever the hell I want. And for some reason that makes people laugh. And that's the best thing about it. It's just pure unadulterated Michael Froy. <laughs> so. <laughs> I love it. I, and it's what's so brilliant about the whole podcasting space as well. Like, obviously, it's like, you know, there are a lot of them these days. But, you know, mm. like the likes of the two Johnnies or, um, you know, Tommy and Hector, like they don't need, they just, they're just literally doing their thing, putting it out there. As you say, no rules, mm. no one overhead saying you can't say that, you can't say that, you, you have to have this guest this week. It's kind of scary for for the mainstream media. I, I guess it is. I, Tony Campbell, I think, is a great example of that because he did a whole... <laughs> series of like cartoon animals he wanted to have sex with and i just think that is absolutely amazing that he could get he could do that and people would pay the patreon for that and like i love the idea of somebody sitting in like the bbc or rte being like should we do that is that do we want to do that <laughs> so i love that people watching it on their on their lunch break and being like okay can we circle back and talk about this uh how do we how do we slot this into our schedule <laughs> oh my god no it is it's great it's very freeing michael very freeing yeah okay if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be uh cold cans in a field <laughs> uh, i think i love festivals a lot and i really miss them and it's the first, like, if we get let out and there's a festival immediately, I will go to it. Like, I love it. That, uh, I okay, I'm sorry. The... Can I just cut in? That is so weird because I was thinking about this earlier, this interview, mm. and I was like, I wonder is Michael a festival? Because obviously all the indie stuff, I was like, I wonder is he a mm. festival guy? And you totally are. I felt like you would be. Oh, yeah. I've been to Electric like, I'd say seven times. I was there twice. I worked there twice, but I like for Joe or whatever. But then I did kind of, I, yeah, I went as a consumer loads of times. I went to gigs all the time, and all that kind of stuff. I do miss live music or going and see a band I, I've never seen before, you know, that kind of way. Um, but also just the camaraderie of sitting in a tent and drinking during the day and all that kind of stuff. I love it. I know. And you don't really have a plan. Like if you stay for another two hours drinking, it's fine. If you go into the main arena now, it's fine. Like there's no, anything goes either way going to be a good crack i just i can't yeah the worst though is when you drink through a band you really want to see him <laughs> or one time i was drinking and like we were we weren't that far away from the main stage i don't think but then i suddenly heard take me to church in the background i was like no! oh did we drink through hosier what so like, no. devastated oh okay so if you could go to a festival anywhere in the world this weekend where would you go Oh, I don't know because like electricity's massive now, so I probably wouldn't do that again. I'd love to do just like a small one. Yeah. Uh, when I when I went to electricity like twenty twelve, it wasn't the younger crowd because oxygen was still a thing, and it was just lovely and the atmosphere was really nice and the bands were really really indie like Bjork played or somebody like you know that kind of just something really really hipster where everyone's very very nice is what I would love to do. Love it. Okay, are you ready for your quick fire round, Michael Fry? Work away. The actor you always laugh at. 
uh, Michael Sarah. Uh, oh. I think he's absolutely hilarious. I love him and everything he does. Uh, he's so awkward. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm projecting, but like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, interesting. Yeah. Okay, the actress you always laugh at. Uh, I, I would say I've got two answers to this. So there's an Irish answer of Hannah Mamalus. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's very, very funny. Um, really weird kind of sick sense of humor but absolutely fabulous as a comedian and an actress and stuff like that she did a parody of love, love island uh called blood island where the main character just has a really heavy period and just gets really really sick and pale and it's just the most horrific thing but it's so funny and then in terms of like international, I would say probably Kristen Schaal, who does like the voices for like Bob's Burgers and like yeah. uh, Bojack Horseman and stuff like that. Just brilliant. I love everything she's in. So yeah. Deadly. Okay. The movie that you laugh at later. Uh, I don't know if people expect this answer from me, but I'm going to say The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Because uh, it used to be on ITV2 at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday. And I, without fail, I would just watch it every time it was on. And I would still watch it now. Like I just think like it's not a groundbreaking film or whatever. But just the cast is great. There's loads of great lines in it. There's loads of great actors in it. I don't know. It's just one of those just comfort movies that I was still, there's still bits of it that I will laugh at every single time. I feel like that about Dodgeball. I, yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, like, every time I see it on TV, I'm like, yes! And, like, Patches O'Houlihan, like, such an underrated character. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. You know, when That's he's like... throwing the, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I just piss myself every time. <laughs> As you say, like so many, sorry, I'm trying to, I'm next, okay, I'm taking over your answer. Okay. Yeah. The, comedian, <laughs> the comedian you always laugh at. Uh, I would say Stuart Lee, um, because I, I can't, I can't think about how he writes things. I can't do what he does. And I just think it's very, very impressive. And like that kind of whole repetitive thing, it works on a performance level. But if you were to actually show the script to somebody, they'd be like, this is trash. But just <laughs> the way he does it is absolutely amazing. So yeah, I, I like it because it's just very clever. Yes, love it. Okay. And finally, Michael Fry, slash Matthew, would you use mm -hmm. your best or worst joke? I don't know if this is the best or the worst joke, right? But I, when I was in a call centre, I put this joke into the group chat and I got an office-wide laugh. Uh, <laughs> as in, like, literally just silence and then everyone erupted in laughter. And I don't know if it's that funny or not, right? So there's two bits to it, right? Yeah. First bit is, what's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. What's red, brown and sticky? Uh, stick with a leaf on it. It's that bloody stick again. <laughs> Terrible. Absolutely terrible. But I laughed so much when I heard it first. Wait, why didn't you tell me about working in a call centre? When did that happen? Oh, this is nuts. Yeah, I, I worked for, uh, I worked for a, a family history company or whatever. Yeah, so right. we did things like DNA tests in people's family trees and things like that. And it was just the kind of calls you get into that are absolutely insane. As in, there are people who, God love them, think they might be related to Jesus. There are people who are like, oh, I can't get my toddler to put a saliva, put saliva into the saliva sample. Can I use a sample of fecal matter? No. And then you <laughs> reply being like, under no circumstances are you to send anything like that into this office. Like, so absolutely nuts. There's a dude who had like an account for his horse uh, who was called like Alessandro. And it was just like like amazing kind of really posh English people who are just very into family history. It's so good. So funny. Oh my God, I love it. And did half of them want to be um, related to the royals? Were they trying to be? 
there was yeah so when Danny Dyer did his like who do you think they are who do you think you are like he was related to a king or something and like we got a spike in interest or <laughs> and there, there was a man who was very excited because he was related to Sarah Beanie from I don't know selling houses in Channel 4 and I was like cool your expectations are realistic great <laughs> oh my god I feel like you have so many other stories but I mean, we've come to the end Michael oh yeah I've, that's I kind of that's how I consider stand-up before because it's just just to process <laughs> the drama <laughs> all the stupid jobs I've had but yeah <laughs> Michael Fry thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life no problem thanks for having me on I had fun I had laughs good <laughs> for listening to the laughs of your life with michael fry i really hope you enjoyed it don't forget to like subscribe rate review and all those other things as there are loads of other great conversations to come this season this podcast is recorded with collaborative studios and is brought to you by aussie hair great hair no worries no worries